A good day to you everybody in the name of our Lord Jesus. I'm Christopher Allen. I'm here at home in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And once again, it's my joy to be able to share the Word of God with you. And um, uh, if you have not watched me before and this is your first time, I just want you to know I have more than, I have recorded more than 150 uh, teaching videos on Facebook uh, so far and they are actually set up in subjects so these are these are complete subjects and today this lesson is part of the subject of the blood covenant which is a, a very important subject in the Bible but which is not talked about as uh, you know as much as it should so we have the blood covenant then I have uh, another subject is the power of the blood of Jesus then I have another subject on the 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 person and the gifts of the Holy Spirit and then I have another subject which is grace and faith which talks about the grace of God uh, and the faith of man and it's actually two subjects put together grace and faith and how and the interaction between the two and I because I firmly believe that both grace and faith are such subjects that they must be taught together uh, because of the you know of the, of the contents of these two subjects how they are interrelated to each other and then I've got realities of redemption which talk about the new birth which talk about um, about healing and a lot of different things. So um, anyway, I have them all up on YouTube. I have posted them daily, every single day uh, on, on Facebook for the past uh, five months. And then uh, I have, uh, and every day I keep on putting them up on YouTube. So you can go to my playlist, uh, uh, to, to my YouTube page, which is Dynamis World Ministries or Christopher Alam 1. It, I don't know why they put it this way, but YouTube gave me Christopher Alam as one word and one at the end. So you, you, you can find my videos there. Um, anyway, um, we are continuing on with the subject of the blood covenant and uh, we are talking about the new covenant blessings. And in the old covenant, one of the names of God was Yahweh Jireh, that is the Lord our provider. And we are talking about how in the new covenant, new covenant how uh, the Lord is our provider and uh, uh, and you know he provides everything we need and so we we want to I, I want to continue to share that with you uh, about the Lord being our provider and yesterday we uh, I finished by talking about uh, Romans eight thirty two. it says he who did not withhold or spare even his only his own son but gave him up for us all will he not also with him freely and graciously give us all things which means that uh, that that uh, that God who who loved us so much that he was willing to give up his only son for us wouldn't he then be willing to give us everything else that we need God is a good God hallelujah God is a good God and he he is a giver and he is a blesser hallelujah amen and um, let me the next scripture I want to show you is Philippians 4 verse 6 it says do not fret or have any anxiety about anything but in every circumstance and in everything by prayer and petition definite request with thanksgiving continue to make your wants known unto God. So it says that do not worry about anything. Worry 
do not fret or have anxiety about anything. Fret means to worry and to, uh, to and, and, and anxiety means to be anxious about things. Because you see, worry and anxiety eat into your soul. They're, they're very damaging. In fact, uh, doctors have said that uh, worry, worry and anxiety uh, are the roots of many diseases, many diseases, physical diseases and emotional disabilities and are caused by worry and anxiety. Worry and anxiety is when we, when we worry about the future, you know, worry about things. What is going to happen now? What is going to happen to me? How will I make it? And some people worry, um, you know, they, they, they live in anticipation of evil things. They live in anticipation of evil things. Let, let me tell you a story. You know, I, uh, um, I, had, a, I had a very bad childhood. I had to uh, leave my home when I was 13. I was beaten and abused. I was mistreated. I, had, uh, 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 I left home at 13 and then I was suicidal by the time I was 15. I found that I really felt I had nothing to live for. And, uh, and, and throughout my life, when whatever happened <coughs> in life, you know, um, I lived in anticipation of bad things because it seemed to me that bad things always came my way. It was one sorrow after the other. It was one defeat after the other. So I got used to bad things happening to me. And when I got used to having bad things happen to, happening to me, I always lived in fear and I always lived in worry. And then when I was 21 years of age, I became a Christian. I became a, I gave my life to Jesus 1975. And even as a Christian, worry and anxiety were a part of my life. I always worry about everything. Even though, I must say this, even though I have a wonderful testimony of God's provision, God was good to me and God was uh, merciful and kind to me and he blessed me and met my needs and he used me for his glory. But uh, that was one side of it. But that was the public side that people saw. They saw how blessed I was. They saw how, how I was ministering and there were miracles and people getting saved. But there was another side to me that I had this worry and anxiety and it was not based on facts. Uh, around me, but it was based on my past because my whole childhood I'd grown up with worry and anxiety. And now I was at a place in my life when I always anticipated evil, even, even though God had been good to me. I, I, some of you may not understand what I'm talking about, but those of you who have suffered in life, have been through difficult things in life, you will understand me because you are probably at that place where I used to be. I lived with continuous worry and anxiety, not because I had any reason to worry or to be anxious, but the only reason I was that way is because of my past. So that is why uh, you know, I shared with you a couple of days ago how it is important that we renew our minds uh, and get into get our minds in line with the Word of God. Because if we don't, those disturbing patterns of thought and behavior will persist in our lives, and they will continue to torment us long after. Uh, they are in the past and they don't affect us anymore, but we see and experience the goodness of God and God uses us. 
and we will still live in that worry and past and it has no uh, there's no logic behind it except that this is what we experience so anyway uh, to cut a long story short i was at a, i was preaching at a big charismatic conference in 1986 in sweden and there was a man there who was like a Uh, uh, like uh, one of my mentors and a great influence in my life pastor harry greenwood and pastor harry greenwood he uh, you know we all the ministers who were there we were just praying together and suddenly pastor harry walks up to me and he knew nothing about my life at that point and and he began to prophesy me and one of the things he prophesied over me was that Uh, do not live your life in anticipation of evil but live your life in anticipation of the good things to that are to come the good things that god is going to do for you the good things that god has promised in his word and i remember because it's one thing to hear a prophecy it's another thing to take a um take it to heart and really look back to it and believe god for it and i and at that moment i decided yes i have suffered a lot because of my living in anticipation of evil living in fear and anxiety and that was the day it was a turning point in my life i began to turn my life around and now i don't live in fear and anxiety i have this uh, i'm on the other extreme i have this attitude that God is going to take care of it. He's good. His word is good. He's going to take care of it. That's where I am today. So, but what I want you to know my friends is that worry and anxiety can eat at your soul. So, that is why in the book of Romans Paul say uh, I'm sorry, in the book of Philippians 4:6, uh, the apostle Paul says, he says, "Do not fret, do not worry or have anxiety over anything." but in every circumstance that means in every situation okay every circumstance every situation and in everything in every uh, everything you run into in life by prayer and petition petition means definite request definite request when you when you know what you want from god you say it straight out he says by prayer by prayer and by definite request with thanksgiving with thanksgiving make your wants known to god so that means that instead of worrying and fretting and and being anxious and being worried about things what you do in every situation you face in life just stop and pray and make definite requests to the father to to change that situation around for you with thanksgiving and then when you have asked him give him thanks say thank you father because thanksgiving is a big uh, key to faith that thanksgiving actually means that you believe that you receive because that's what the bible says we believe that we receive so you believe that you receive and you give thanks to the father and say thank you father thank you father thank you father and then thank him and then from there onwards continue to make your wants known unto god i had to do that at an early stage in my christian life when 
You know, I lost everything. I left my home as a refugee. I came from a wealthy family. I had plenty of everything, but I lost everything. And <clears throat> I was basically penniless and I was preaching on the streets. And, you know, I needed everything. If I, if I needed it, you know, like now, for example, if I want to buy clothes, I can go to a store and buy what I want. But back in those days, if I needed a pair of socks, I had to believe God for it. If I wanted a shirt, I had to believe God for it. And uh, if and even when I was on the streets preaching, if I, I, I was, I had nothing. So even when I wanted a meal, I was hungry, I had to ask for it. And so I developed a habit of making my wants known to God and thanking him, thanking God, asking God, Father, this is what I need. Father, that is what I need. Let it become a habit for us to talk to God and ask him for what we need. Amen. Because he is our provider. Praise God. Now, the next verse uh, I want to share with you, the next few verses are from Philippians 4, 14 to 19. It says, but it was right and commendable and noble of you to contribute for my needs and to share my difficulties with me. Paul is writing to the church in Philippi. He said it was right and it was commendable and commendable and it was noble of you to contribute for my needs and to share my difficulties with me. And then he says, and you Philippians yourselves well know that in the early days of the gospel ministry, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me and open up an account in giving and receiving except you only. So it appears from this scripture that when Paul first, did, first started in the ministry, first started serving God in the gospel ministry, he said the Philippian church was the only church that supported him financially. None of the other churches supported him financially except the Philippians. And says, verse 16, uh, but even in Thessal uh, Thessalonica, you, I don't know, you say it in America, Thessalonica or something, but it's, it's uh, Th Thessaloniki in Greece and in Europe we say Thessalonica, okay? So I'm going to say Thessalonica, it's easier for me. For even in Thessalonica, you sent me contributions for my needs, not only once, but a second time. So he's writing in the Philippians, he says, you were the only church who supported me. And even when I left you, when I was in Thessaloniki, in this other place, you guys kept on supporting me. You kept on sending me money. Then he says, verse 17, not that I seek or am eager for your gift, but I do seek and am eager for the fruit which increases to your credit, the harvest of blessing that is accumulating into your account. He says, it's not that I'm after your money, but I do want you to be blessed. The blessing that comes by giving. That's what he's writing to the Philippians. He says, it's not that I'm after your money, but I want you to be blessed because, the, uh, because there is a blessing that comes through giving. Then he says, verse 18, for I have your full payment and more. I have everything I need and am amply supplied now that I have received from Ephavroditus the gifts you send me. They are a fragrant offering, order of an offering and sacrifice which God welcomes and in which he delights. So this is good. He says, 
I, I have everything I need right now. I'm supplied and I thank you for the gift that you sent me. And it says, and God delights in such sacrifices. And then he says, verse 19, and my God will liberally supply Fill to the full your every need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now, some of you know this 19th verse in the King James, where it says, And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now, this is a promise of provision. But the interesting thing is that <clears throat> this promise of provision is not made to everybody. It's not a blanket uh, blanket. Uh, promise for all Christians that you can claim this. No, he is giving the scripture to the Philippians because they were givers. Okay. So this promise that my God will liberally supply, fill to the full your every need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. This is a promise which is made to givers because in the previous verses, he talks tells the Philippians, he commends them on their giving. Now, if you notice, he is commending the Philippians for supporting him. Okay. He's not talking about their tithes because he was not there. He was somewhere else. And obviously they tithed because people uh, who don't give tithes, they usually don't give offerings either. Uh, people who give their tithes, so they always give their offerings. So I can imagine that the church in Philipp Philippians, since they were good givers and they supported Paul, they were tithers also. But what I want you to understand that this promise is connected to giving and giving to ministers who share the word with you. So Paul, uh, Paul did not pastor the Philippian church, but he, he was in the gospel ministry and the Philippians appreciated his gospel ministry. And as a result, they supported him and they blessed him. Praise God. So this is very important that, uh, that you tithe to your local church as well as you generously support uh, the needs of those who preach the gospel to you. Amen. So uh, then, then I want you to remember uh, there's a scripture which says that... Uh, I forget the reference. It says it is not the gift that makes the altar holy, but it's the altar that makes the gift holy. That means that just, be, you know, you shouldn't give money to an altar that is not holy. But uh, because he, uh, sometimes I, I, I remember I was sitting in a hotel lobby and there was a pastor there and we were watching this uh, very unscrupulous uh, TV ministry. Uh, you know, it's basically a show, showbiz. There's no gospel there. And this guy says that, do you know this? He, I didn't know who this pastor was. And he said to me, do you watch this? I said, no, not really. He said, well, they're good ground to sow. I watched them. I said, really? He says, yeah. Uh, then he said something. I don't remember his word, but he said he meant something like, it doesn't matter whether they're good or bad, but when I sow to them, I always get a harvest. And so I, that's why I continue to sow there. You should never do that. You should look at the, you should never sow because whether you get a harvest or not, but you should sow if it is, um, the altar is holy because you see, if it glorifies Jesus and the altar is holy, then you can put your money on the altar. So, uh, my home church, I've always been very meticulous about what home church I go to. If I go to a home church 
and the purpose of the church is to make the pastor rich and wealthy. I wouldn't even go there, much less even put my money there. But the churches, uh, the church that I attend, uh, you know, um, it doesn't exist to make the pastor rich, but it exists to preach the gospel. They have missions. They, they feed people all over the world. They preach the gospel all over the world. And it's a solid, solid Pentecostal church. And it's a joy for me to be part of it and put my money upon that altar. So put your money upon a holy altar, because if you put your money upon a holy altar, it's the holy altar that makes your gift holy. Amen. So don't put your gift on an unholy altar, but put your money on a holy altar. And, and a holy altar is an altar where it's not about a man, not about his ministry, but it's about Jesus. And it's about people where their, their, their vision is to see people saved and they want to take care of the poor, etc., etc. I mean, a solid New Testament church with solid biblical values. That is a holy altar. And I would encourage you to put your tithes there to give and at the same time give offerings to missionaries, give offerings to ministers of the gospel who are doing a good job preaching the gospel and to support them with all your hearts. And then it says the promise is when you do that is Paul's promise in Philippians 4.19, but my God will liberally supply to the full your every need according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, then the next scripture I'm going to share in this context is 2 Corinthians 9.6-11. Now, these are also the words of the Apostle Paul, and he's talking to the Corinthian church. He says, but this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also <coughs> bountifully. So it's simple. He says, that means if you are stingy in your sowing, you will reap stingily. And he, if you sow bountifully or generously, you will reap generously. When my father retired, the government gave him a farm and uh, it was a big farm and I used to go there and help him, look, you know, just help him and I used to look after the farm actually. My dad didn't know anything about farming, neither did I, but I just used to be there on his behalf to supervise. And I noticed that when it was time to sow, uh, whether it was wheat or rice or whatever, so I remember how generously they spread the seed. You know, the seed was done, sowing was done by hand in those days. And in third world countries where they don't have all the, uh, all the mechanized, the motorized farm implements, they still do everything by hand. And I remember how the guys used to uh, take those, have those bags, sacks of seed, and used to take fistfuls of seed. And they used to sow. Uh, and the reason they did that, because if they sowed bountifully sold richly we would also reap richly i never saw a farmer look at the farm the smallest seed in his bag and throw it into the heart into the field and then expect a big harvest no if you want a big harvest you have to sow a lot of seed so it's so paul is saying he who sows generously shall reap generously and he who sows uh, 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 stingily shall reap stingily. Then he says, every man according as he purposes in, the, in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Amen. So every man should give as it is in his heart, 
So let him now. He's not talking about the tithe. The tithe is a is a specific uh, amount. The tithe. The word tithe means a tenth. So some people say, "Well, I tithe five percent." Well, you are a very bad maths teacher. You cannot tenth if uh, you know five percent. You know you you cannot a tenth five percent. You can only tenth ten percent. So you cannot tithe less than the tenth because the word tithe means a tenth. So it says every man. So this is more talking about what you give above your tithes. Every man according as he purposes in his heart. So let him give not grudgingly or of necessity. For God loves a cheerful giver. So you give. Don't give grudgingly. Don't give because someone is putting pressure on you or manipulating you. Because God loves one who gives happily and cheerfully, and then He says, "When you do that, verse eight, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you." Hallelujah! So God is in in return to your generous giving. He is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work that means that when you give god will bless you so much that you'll have everything enough for your needs and he will give you more uh, more so that you can give to all good work as it is written he has dispersed abroad he has given to the poor his righteousness remains forever and that's a quote for Psalm 112. He has dispersed abroad. He abroad he has given to the poor. His righteous remains forever. Then he says, verse 10. Now he that ministers seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness. So he says, he who gives to the giver, seed to the sower means he gives money to the giver. So you see, when God gives seed to the sower, uh, some people are sowers, other people are takers. They're always looking at what I can get. But a sower is a purpose, is a person whose purpose in life is to give. Like a farmer is a sower, right? So he knows that what he receives is directly connected to his sowing. So a farmer is, he understands that uh, before giving, comes uh, i'm sorry before receiving comes giving giving with without giving there is no receiving so he uh, so but god gives seed to the sower so if you in your mind you're a sower person a sower person is a person who looks at himself my life is about giving because god loved me so much that he gave his only son so i live to give and I love it when God blesses my hands so that I can give even more. They see, they live out of the joy of giving. So understand that there is great joy in giving because when you are a giver, you are a tool and an instrument in the hand of God. And God uses you to meet the needs of other people and God uses you to bless other people. So it says that God gives seed to the sower. That means if I'm a giver, God will give money into my hand so that I can give. And he says he will give me both bread for my food and he will multiply the resources I have to give to others. And plus he will increase the fruits of our righteousness. So, that, so it means that when I'm a I'm a sower, 
God blesses me so that when I sow, God gives me back enough for myself, for my own needs, and then He, he and and then He will He will uh, multiply my seed. That means He will give me more to give away, and then He will bless me spiritually because those are the fruits of righteousness. Those have nothing to do with money. So whenever you know someone gives me a, a ministry, a gift to our uh, our ministry or something, uh, uh, someone sometimes someone comes give, gives me an envelope and says, "Brothers, this is a gift for your ministry." I always put my hand on that uh, on that gift along with the brother, and then I will pray and I will pray for that person. Uh, if it's a pastor, I'll pray for his church and I'll pray that God would bless them specifically, both in spiritual in eternal things and in earthly things because we do need earthly things to live and that God would bless us and that God would also bless them in spiritual things. Uh, so, uh, we sh you know, we should expect blessings from God in every dimension. He said, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness which causes us thanksgiving to God. So we get enriched both in our own needs, enriched in our ability to give, and which makes us give thanks to the Lord. Hallelujah. So the Lord is our provider. Now, another last scripture I want to share with you before I part with this and end this, uh, the, this, this part of the teaching about the Lord being our provider is this, that uh, in Psalm 37, it says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And more than your needs, God is also in interested in the desires of your heart. So listen, when you put other people first, when you put the needs of others first and you are a giver and you live to give, right? And you look at the resources in your hand and you're a steward. There's a difference between an owner and a steward. An owner says, this is mine. A steward says, this is God's, but he has put it into my hand to disperse it as he uh, distributed as he wants me to. So when you're a steward, he says, and you delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart, not only your needs, but the things that you desire beyond your needs, God will supply because God is a good God and he's our provider. Praise God. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for my brothers and sisters. I pray for everybody who's hearing me, Lord, because you are our provider. Let all their needs be met, their spiritual needs, their financial needs, their needs of healing, their needs of blessing upon their lives. I thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you. I'll see you again tomorrow. Bye.